Rainbows high and deep. Touchdown, Wisconsin! And this game is underway with a bang! This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. We have not talked about the Milwaukee Bucks very much in the last week or so. It's been a lot of Brewers, been a lot of Packers, been a lot of Badgers. Uh, a quick reminder, just to get you up to speed, this team is, uh, they are really, really, really good. I don't know if you saw last night, maybe you were listening here on WKTY. The Bucks uh, won their 13th game in a row. They beat the Pistons last night, 127-103. I was watching at a bar uh, with some friends last night, so I couldn't hear the game. But there was no point where I was, like, concerned, where I was worried. I'm like, all right, yeah. Pistons are making a little bit of a run. There's some drama. There's a technical foul. It'll be fine. By the third quarter, by the fourth quarter, the Bucks will run away with it. And they absolutely did. They won by 24 last night. 19-3. and three, uh, One of their best starts since the early 70s. You know when that guy, uh, Lou Cinder, played in Milwaukee? Now, the last time the Bucks have had this long of a winning streak, was 16 in a row, and it was actually between the 72-73 season and 73-74. Now, in that 73-74 season, they also had a 13-game winning streak, so the Bucks are now trying to best that. Now, to try to put it into perspective a little bit more, exactly how good this Bucks team is, maybe 13 in a row doesn't impress you, maybe 19 and 3 doesn't impress you, uh, they have won their last three games by 41, 44, and uh, 24 points. Yeah, this Bucks team's really good. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Uh, we're going to cover a lot of ground today. We're going to talk Bucks. We're going to talk Brewers. We're even going to talk a little bit of UWL football coming up at the end of the show. I feel like we got to give this Bucks team credit. Like, we got to give them some love. It's become so easy. It's become so routine that, I, that it, we haven't even, like, felt the need to mention it or, or pay attention to them. Because, like I said, last night, I wasn't concerned. I was watching on a muted TV in a bar, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Bucks are on. All right, they're going to win 13 in a row. Yep, book it. I think they beat the Pistons last night was either nine straight times dating back to last season, regular season, and in the playoffs as well because remember the Bucks swept them in the first round of the playoffs and they have yet to lose to them. Well, they have yet to really lose to anybody here in the, the beginning of the 2019-2020 season. I, I said it yesterday and this is a take I want to double down on, I want to triple down on. I will I will ride this horse all the way until March. The Bucks are the best regular season team in the NBA. And and it's not really close. The Bucs are the best regular season team in the NBA. Now, that doesn't necessarily translate to the postseason. That's a discussion we're going to have to to have, and we'll have to revisit this uh, in a couple of months, you know, past the All-Star break when when we start getting close to seeding time and and getting close to the NBA playoffs next spring. They're the best regular season team in the NBA, and it's not particularly close. Right now, the standings in the NBA sit as such. The Bucs are at first in the Eastern Conference, 19-3. and The Celtics... And the Raptors are up next, both 15 and 5. And then the Sixers are in the four spot, 15 and 6. If you want to look at the West for comparison, the Lakers are 19 and 3 as well. The Clippers are 16 and 6. The Nuggets are 13 and 5. So the Bucs are currently matching what the Lakers are doing at this point through the regular season. I think the Bucs are a better regular season team than the Lakers. I don't know how these two teams would stack up in a seven-game series in the postseason. I, I don't know. Right now, it's December 5th. We're talking about the regular season. The Bucs are the best regular season team in the NBA. No other team can boast the superstar that the Bucks have in conjunction with the depth in the starting lineup, the depth on the bench, and the perfect coach to manage it all. Now, the Lakers have that superstar 
I don't think their starting lineup is as deep as the Bucs. And I don't think their bench is as deep as the Bucs. And I don't think their coach is as good as the Bucs. That's not to say that Frank Vogel isn't a good coach or the Lakers don't have good players on their bench. Not as good as the Bucs. Not as good as the Bucs. What, what ultimately I'm saying, the Bucs have the perfect combination of ingredients and they're organized in the perfect way to win as many games in the regular season as possible. They currently sit at 19-3. and They've won 13 in a row. That's not going to stop. This train is going to keep rolling. Right, They have some tough competition in mid-December and in late December. We'll see how they handle it. They're going to win a lot of games. They're going to win a lot of games. No other team in the NBA has the superstar, the depth in both the starting lineup and on the bench, and the perfect coach to make it all happen. Right, There's not a bad option in the starting lineup. Between Chris Middleton, he can go off for 25. Brooke Lopez can go off for 25. Wesley Matthews, I think, is really starting to come into his own, and he can go off on any given night. And Eric Bledsoe, not only can he go off for 30, he can drop... 15 to 20 points in a quarter at the drop of a hat, if need me. This bench, there's not a bad option on it. Sterling Brown, Dante DiVincenzo, DJ Wilson has been tremendous in cleanup minutes, right? George Hill's played like a six-man-of-the-year candidate. Robin Lopez has been great, right? Another defensive player that they've added that they can just play in that rotation. Like last night, when it was physical, when guys were beating up on each other and racking up fouls, cool, throw Robin out there. Another piece of depth on that bench, right? Pat Connaughton. This team has so much depth. They don't have to overexert any specific player. Last night, Giannis played... Last night, Giannis played 28 minutes. Against the Knicks the other night, he played 22. Right? And that's why Coach Bud is so important in this. Because he can take the superstar and the depth in both the starting lineup and on the bench and and, and make sure nobody plays too much. Nobody gets worn out. Even though they're racking up win after win after win into the outsider... Right and, and to somebody who maybe doesn't look closer, you might think, man, they're, they're running themselves out of gas. They're going to get injured. They're going to get fatigued. And when the postseason rolls around, they're not going to have anything left. No. Because of the depth and because of the coach that can make it all figure out. Remember, and, and Dave, uh, Mornings with Dave and Scrady here on WK2. He talks about this all the time. It might be his favorite thing to bring up. Coach Bud coached under Popovich in San Antonio. Who was the original load management team? Right and Now, it became a story when LeBron started doing it. And then Kawhi Leonard is now doing it. It started with the Spurs. Managing players' workload during the regular season to stay fresh, to stay healthy during long postseason runs, which can, which can last another two months after the regular season, right? Coach Bud is a perfect coach to make it all happen. The Bucks are the best regular season team in the NBA for all those reasons. Now, to you, that might not sound important. And it's kind of the current climate in sports, especially in the NBA, that the postseason is all that matters. The championships are all that matters. Now, that's a a very narrow way to look at it. I think you're missing out on a lot of the enjoyment of sports, right? James Harden going off for 50 on any given Wednesday night, right? And LeBron dancing on the floor in his socks last night. The the regular season is endlessly entertaining, and I think we've minimized it to the point where we're really losing out on a lot of what the NBA has to offer. But so is the current climate of the NBA. It, It may not sound important to be a really good regular season team, but but let me make a couple of points. The regular season sets up the postseason. It sets up seeding, right? And I think there's this perception, right or wrong, that seeding doesn't matter, that the best team is going to win out, that home court advantage doesn't matter, that matchups don't matter, the best team's coming out of the conference. Well, what if Kawhi Leonard's shot didn't fall last year and Philly moves on? Well, now all of a sudden matchups look a little bit more interesting, right? Because the NBA champs made it out on a lucky roll on a buzzer beater, right? And you might think, well, seeding doesn't matter. I was watching first take on ESPN this morning. 
And what was supposed to be a Milwaukee Bucks segment turned into, well, actually, Philly is better. And actually, Miami is better. And you know why they had to make arguments for Philly and why they had to defend Miami and Philly? Because Philly's in the four seed. Miami's in the five seed. Those things matter. Matchups matter. Location matters. Right? And the Bucks right now, if the playoffs started, would play the eight seed, the Orlando Magic. The Philadelphia 76ers, if the playoffs started today, would play the Miami Heat. A little bit of a difference there. Right? The regular season also sets up players and sets up teams to be healthy or not healthy come playoff time. Think back to the finals last year, right? The Raptors, the Warriors. How was that decided? Well, Kevin Durant got hurt. Klay Thompson got hurt. Kevon Looney got hurt. And the Raptors were able to take advantage. Health in the postseason and health in the finals are so, so important. Remember the first time the Warriors won the title. I think it was 2014, right? Before they got Kevin Durant, before they won 73 games. Kevin Love gets hurt, Kyrie Irving gets hurt, and the Warriors win that title. Now, the Warriors might have still been the better team, but health and injuries certainly played a role. You need to be healthy in the postseason and in the playoffs. And the Bucs have concocted this recipe for winning that involves Giannis only playing 28 minutes? Sign me up! Sign me up! Because that's load management in a game. Giannis is still out there building chemistry, building rhythm, building momentum, but he's staying healthy, and he's not overworking himself. The Bucs do the regular season right. And ultimately, the regular season is what sets teams up to succeed or to fail through seeding, through health, through injuries, through matchups in the postseason. And nobody is doing the, the, the regular season better right now than the Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Coach Mike Budenholzer. They are tremendous. God, they're going to win so many games. Just won their 13th in a row last night. I, I want to talk about a different team when we come back. Uh, we're going to stick in Milwaukee. I want to talk about the Brewers because they finally made a move today. You might have saw, you might have seen. You may or may not have recognized the player they acquired. I I want to talk about their new catcher and their replacement, quote-unquote, to Yasmani Grandal coming up next. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. Hope you're having an awesome night. Thanks for tuning in. We're talking Brewers with WKTY's own Hunter Baumgart coming up here in about 10 minutes. We are also going to talk UWL football and the quarterback situation, specifically Evan Lewandowski, uh, with News 8 and WKTY's own Nate Myhock, who has many, many connections to the UWL football team, uh, much more than I. So I'm going to tap into his expertise and his insight uh, a little bit. That'll be at 545. Uh, to get the lowdown on what's going on with Lewandowski and UWL football. Right now, I, I want to open the Brewers conversation. It- it's been a, a relatively busy offseason in Major League Baseball so far, and it's still early, right? It's December 5th. In comparison to last year, this has been wild and rowdy because, of course, the last couple of years, the offseason has been themed by good players not being pursued and not being signed until into spring training. And, and for the most part, those players have not received the deals that we thought, outside of Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, the wheels have been turning slow in Major League Baseball. Now, so far in this offseason, that hasn't really appeared to be the case, except for the Milwaukee Brewers, right? Now, for context, Philly signed Zach Wheeler to a big contract, a starting pitcher, one of the bigger starting pitchers on the market this year. They signed him earlier this week. And Atlanta signed Cole Hamels. They have signed seven total free agents so far. So they're leading the charge. Seven is a lot, and it's and it's really led by Cole Hamels, the starting pitcher who's going to bolster their rotation, right? I, I read in a couple places on Twitter and, and some rumors, because that's all we have, that the Cardinals might be in on Madison Bumgarner, right? There are moves being made. 
Teams are making calls. Teams are doing interviews. They're, they're shopping players. They're, they're trying to sign free agents. It's been a busy offseason, except for the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, remember, the Brewers came into this offseason with needs. They have since let go Yasmani Grandal and Mike Moustakis and created more. They need a third baseman. They need a first baseman. They need an outfielder, starting pitching, relief pitching. Now, they also needed a catcher. It seems that they've handled that, kind of, a little bit. Like they got to gotta jump on that a bit today. They made a trade for Omar Navarez, who was last playing with the Mariners. And I had to pull that up, and I've been prepping for the show all day and reading all day, and I still can't remember this guy's name. Omar Navarez, not exactly a name where probably when you got the notification on your phone saying the Brewers made a move, probably didn't know who he was. Probably had to do a little bit of reading, right? Now, that doesn't mean he's not a good player, but it's a good indicator on on, on the star power and the caliber of the player the Brewers are receiving. Now, David Stearns has been known to kind of find these hidden gems, right? These players at the right place at the right time for the right price tag. So who knows, right? It's it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not a player that literally no one has heard of, but maybe a, an indication of, of the quality of player, the caliber of player, right? To try to paint a picture. So last year, I want to go off his offensive stats in Seattle. He had 22 home runs, and in four seasons, he's a 276 hitter, and he comes with three years of club control. Because that's really important to David Stearns and is important to the Brewers, right? Defensively, that's where he's not so great. Not that those offensive stats are amazing, right? Compare that. Just in 2019, right? Asmani Grandal hit 28 home runs and had an OPS of 380, right? Comparing that to a batting average of 276, only 22 home runs. Okay. That's a tough sell in comparison to the guy that the Brewers just let go. Defensively is where he is. Um, He's not just below average. He's terrible, right? He's piss poor. Uh, Last year, he was 120 of 123 in fielding runs above average. Now, we heard about Yasmani Grandal, despite what we saw of him uh, in the NLDS or NLCS a couple of years ago, is a very good defensive catcher and a very good pitch framer. It sounds like Omar Navarez, well, or Navarez, and indicated by stats as well, that 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 can be further from the truth. He's terrible. He's bad. He's awful, right? Now, he is a left-handed bat, so... I think early indication probably say you platoon him with Pena, right? You use both. You, you look for the matchups. You go with the hot bat, whatever. So replacing Grandal by committee, not bringing in one guy, but instead uh, probably splitting time between Pena, the right-hander, and Nevaez, the left-hander. Now, the Brewers exchanged a minor league pitcher named Adam Hill and a 2020 competitive balance round B draft pick between rounds two and three. None of that make, makes any sense to me. Uh, I've never heard of Adam Hill and a competitive balanced draft pick in round two and three in Major League Baseball. I, I, I don't know. All I'm saying is if I if if I bought my girlfriend a Christmas present, if I bought my wife a Christmas present, and I said, I hey, I got you an awesome Christmas present. It was a great value. I only had to spend uh, and, and trade in a grimy $10 bill and some change I found in my car door. Eh, I don't know. Would that go over well? I don't know. David Stearns, all right, Brewers fans, uh, I, I got a replacement for Yasmani Grandal. All I had to spend was a, a minor league pitcher nobody has heard of and a competitive balance draft pick in round B between two and three. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. The name doesn't jump off the page. It's not a player most of us have heard of. The compensation doesn't exactly sound like you had to give up a whole lot. Typically, when teams trade players, there's a reason they are being traded. The defensive statistics, I think, speak for themselves. Last year, like I said, 120 of 123 in fielding runs above average. Now, 
look, you can spin this, and, and David Stearns in his presser today talked about how he's a, a, an excellent offensive option as a catcher from the left side of the plate, which is difficult to, to find, which I responded with, well, you had an excellent offensive catcher who was great from both sides of the plate, who hit for power and was tremendous at getting on base, but all right, well, whatever. I, I don't know. I, I Every article I read, every summary I read, every explanation piece I read, it, it, it goes along the lines and said, well, expecting Nevaez to fill the shoes of Yasmani Grandal, that's, you know, that's unrealistic. Why? Why is that unfair? Why is that unrealistic? You are judged on who you are replacing, right? That's how everything in life works. That's how the presidency works, right? Donald Trump is compared to President Obama. What did Obama do in a similar situation? How did he handle himself during press conferences and such? Obviously, we're going to compare. The next president, we are going to compare to Donald Trump. Whether that's in, in one year or in five years, that's how it works, Right? If I go out to eat and I get a steak dinner and I go out the next week and I get a steak dinner, I'm going to say, well, this wasn't as good as last week or last week's was better. Saying that we can't compare Nevaez to Yasmani Grandal, that's asinine. Why not? That's how life works. That's how food, that's how government, that's how relationships, that's how friendships, that's how cars, anything. That's how it works. Sports is no different. I am going to compare Nevaez to Yasmani Grandal and he's not as good. Offensively, which is his calling card, or defensively, which is certainly not his calling card. Now, I, look, I like Manny Pena. I, I'm glad that he's going to get some time. I liked that he got time last year because in that limited time, he was really, really good. He put the ball in play, and he came up with some really clutch hits. Look, he was the starting catcher on a team that won a division championship in 2018. I like Manny Pena. I I don't know if a platoon of Manny Pena and, hold on, let me look. Oh, Omar Nevaez is going to get it done. I don't know if that's going to take you farther than you went last year. Oh, yeah, by the way, another comparison. This Brewers team will be compared to last year's Brewers team. I, I just don't... The, the Brewers are not better today than they were at the end of last season, right? I think that that's a great way to judge every move made by a general manager. Whether that's trading a player away, trading for a player, signing a free agent, letting a free agent go. Immediately. All right. Is the team better right now than they were a couple of months ago with that player? I don't think you can make that argument. The Brewers are much better with Yasmani Grandal. Oh, the Brewers can't pay him. It's not my problem. I'm not the owner. I'm not the millionaire. I, I'm getting a little bit concerned. I'm getting a little, little bit worried that this is the start of a trend where David Stern is going to make trades. He's going to sign guys that we've never heard of. And he's going to say, well, actually, this makes sense for this, 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 and this reason. He's really great at this metric. And we're going to platoon him with this guy. Dude, did you not watch the Nationals? Did you not watch the star power they had here and there? Young and old. Great pitching here in the starting rotation. Through three men, right? Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg, and Max Scherzer. No combination of C-plus level players is going to compare to that. Right? They had Juan Soto, Anthony Rendon, their MVP candidate. Right? Zimmerman, their, their old veteran, their experienced player. Look, platooning Manny Pena and Omar Nevaez is not going to get you to that level. Now, this is a fairly cheap option. Sounds like they got a good deal. Sure. Sounds like it's workable, right? You can you can platoon him with Pena and you can play matchups and the left uh, the left field fence or the right field fence, I guess, for left-handed hitters at Miller Park is advantageous, certainly. But, but this guy's not Yasmani Grandal and he will not be Yasmani Grandal. And they are not better with Nevaez and Pena than they were last year with Grandal and Pena. Just not the case. And David Stern's also making an argument, well, you know, a 26-man roster, now we can have a third catcher. Okay, well, look, if Grandal doesn't stack up to Pena and Nevaez, then adding Jacob Nottingham to that trio is not going to, it's not going to stack up either. 
It's just not. It's cheap, sure. Maybe a good value. Workable, right? You can, you can figure out how to piece those players together, but it doesn't make you better. And it's not Yasmani Grandal, that's for sure. I don't know. I, I'm concerned that this is going to become a trend where the Brewers make moves for players that we really haven't heard of and we need to research and, and, and read about extensively just to try to understand. Baseball is a fairly complicated sport statistically. And then we're going to get the explanation, right? Well, actually, you know, he, his OPS is pretty good. And he hit 19 home runs once. And I only needed to give up a competitive draft balanced round B, 2-3 pick. Whatever the hell they're called. I don't know. I'm concerned. Star players win World Series. The Nationals showed you. You don't need a ton of them. You need a few, right? The Nationals beat two super teams last year. The Astros and the Dodgers both had more star power. To think that the Brewers can't aspire to what the Nationals were last year is just, it's, it's not true. The Brewers can absolutely be that team. But, but you don't start being that team by trading for a catcher that nobody has heard of and is literally one of the worst three catchers. In 123 eligible catchers, he's 120th. Uh, that ain't it. That ain't it. And that's not Yasmani Grandal, and they're not better today than they were at the end of last season, that's for sure. I want to continue this conversation about the Brewers and bring in WKTY's own Hunter Baumgart, a uh, voice of play-by-play for basketball and football on this station, and routinely on with David Scrady and fills in in this time slot as well. We're going to get his opinions, his thoughts on what's going on with the Brewers. UWL talk on the way coming up here in about 20 minutes as well. A lot to come here on the Wisco Sports Show, presented by Played Against Sports, back in a moment here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hopping aboard. Thanks for hanging out. We're going to talk UWL football coming up here in about 20 minutes with our insider. I feel like that throw, that word gets thrown around a little bit too much, but he is on the inside. Uh, News 8 and WKTY's Nate Myhock is going to join us to talk about the uh, quarterback transfer situation and tell us the latest that he's heard and, and the latest that uh, that is going on. So we'll talk to him coming up here in about 15 minutes. Right now we're joined on the Five Star Telecom talk and text line by Hunter Baumgart, uh, the voice of local sports here on WKTY and on WIZM and, and is always getting up early with Dave and Scrady in the morning. By the way, Hunter, have you been filling in with Dave and Scrady? I can't do that, that that time in the morning. That's just too much, especially with Scrady. Um, yeah, sometimes I do with Scrady. Uh, but yeah, the last couple of times I've been on have been just quick interviews. Yeah, it's been like 6.45, and, you know, for us, that's that's early. I mean, I, I don't have a 7.45 class this semester, but, uh, hey, if you know, for Dave and Scrady, it's worth it, right? Yeah, we, we bow to their every wish. They say jump, we say <laughs> how high. That's just what we aspire to be is, is Dave and Scrady. So, Hunter, we've been talking about Omar Devias, the Brewers' newest catcher, and, and look, I— there's this narrative that I've seen that it's like unfair to compare him to Grandal. Like, well, he's not Yasmani Grandal. And to me, like the conversation starts and stops right there. Like if you have to preface, if you have to preface your justification for getting Omar Navias by saying, well, he's not Yasmani Grandal, like then it's not a good move in my eyes. I don't worry about his slash. I don't worry about his defense, which is putrid, by the way. I just, I don't love this move. And I'm concerned that this is going to be a sign of things to come. How did this, how did this land for you? And you saw the news. Yeah. Um, well, I like that they got a player because <laughs> right now I feel like this, this this roster is getting mighty thin. They need it, um, and I'm hoping we can field a nine in this ring. No, but um, yeah, you know, I I I don't love it, but I like it. I think I think what they're going to do with this catcher position, it, it seems like next year, is obviously they're not going to go and get 
a top-line catcher like they had in Grandal last year, and they're going to do more of a platoon. And I think, I've been a Manny Pena fan. Now, I think his hitting isn't great, um, but his fielding and it, the way he threw out a lot of runners a couple of years ago when he was their main guy, I yeah. love. Um, so if he can get better at hitting, and then you put in this guy who's, got the hitting but not the fielding you can kind of platoon those two and maybe maybe work something out of this um but like you said he's not grandal and and obviously the you have to as a fan you know put this into perspective right they might go into say another position and get a grandal like player say it may be another position this year instead of catcher remember i mean last year they platooned you know well they had hira up and down uh, their middle infield is a little shaky. Of course, they had Saladino a little bit, Aaron Perez in and out. Um, and, you know, he had some of those different players. You had uh, Spangenberg, right? So they kind of did that with their middle infield. I think they're going to go out and maybe get a solid guy, maybe at their middle, whether whether it's Urias, who they got from the Padres, or maybe it's somebody at that third base position now that Moustakis and Shaw are both gone. Um, so I think maybe they're going to put their eggs more in those baskets and say, okay, we've got two catchers that are decent, and we can platoon those guys and go out and get maybe a bigger guy at a different position. I don't think this this platoon at the catcher position is the end of the world. Like I want, I want to make that clear. As, as David Stearns sure. and, and, and the manager of a small market team, you need to pick your spots to spend. And if David Stearns didn't feel like he was going to get enough value off of a, a high-level catcher, fine. Where I'm concerned, Hunter, is, is this cannot be the case at every position. Right at some point, oh, you need sure. you need star baseball players, and, and I've talked about this since the World Series. The two most talented teams in the postseason were the Dodgers and were the Astros, and the Nationals beat them both with fewer stars. I don't think it's unrealistic of the Brewers to aspire to have the Nationals' level of star power. Right? They, they didn't have the star-studded lineup of those other two super teams, but they had it in the right spots. If the Brewers are looking to add star power, which I think they need if they want to compete. Maybe where do they add it? Because they might be able to platoon catcher, but then you can't turn around and also platoon third base and first base and one of your outfield spots. You need to get good players somewhere. How, how do you think they approach the rest of the of the roster? Right. Yeah. No, you're completely right. And they have. I mean, they have Yelich, right? So they have Yelich. They have Kane, and we're obviously hoping that Kane has more of a uh, 2018 season than a 2019 season next year. Um, and then, of course, you have Ryan Braun. Um, who, you know, they've, David Stern said today that they've had more discussions about maybe him moving over to first base, which I think if they do that right, I think that could really help them. Um, and maybe you, maybe Gamble plays a little more, but also maybe you go out and get an outfielder. But yeah, you have to have certain players in your lineup that are going to produce every day. And I think that's kind of where you're going with that, that star idea, right? Because you have to have those solid, consistent players. Um, that are going to perform every day that we're not just saying, okay, maybe, you know, like we just talked about with the catcher, okay, maybe Pena's good this day, maybe Devise is good this day, and it's kind of wishy-washy. You have to have those guys that are going to produce every day, day in, day out. And I think that they have to, you know, if they move Ryan Braun to first base, maybe you get an outfielder. But if Ryan Braun stays in the outfield, you do that position, you do that at maybe a corner infield position, third sure. base or first base. Um, now, the the free agents at those positions, nothing, you know, <laughs> jumps out at you except for Anthony Rendon, right? And obviously, if they get Rendon, I mean, good luck to, to who they're facing with Yelich and Rendon in the lineup. Um, but, you know, that's we'll see if that happens. Um, he's meeting with other teams, and, and the Brewers haven't been reported, you know, next to him. Uh, but, but again, like you said, they have to do it. They have to have some, some star-studded positions. They have to have some solid players because you can't go into a year where you're, 
platooning at third, platooning at first, platooning at catcher. You got three, you know, three guys in your rotation last year, like yeah. who you know ended up in the bullpen or in Arizona working on their craft for the last two two months of the year. You have to have solid players, and I, I trust Stearns will do that. But it is it is scary right now. Well, I hope that, that this is the outlier of the offseason, that they're going to nickel and diamond platoon in one position, and they're just waiting to, to find certain players. It can happen quickly. Like, we saw that with Yelich and Kane a couple of years ago. The, the, the offseason can pivot very quickly. This is just concerning because I don't want this to become the overlying theme, I guess is is my point. Hunter Baumgart uh, from, of course, WKTY, also uh, Moonlights, like myself, over on our, our sister station, Z93. He's joining us on the Five Star Telecom Talking Text Line. Let, let's talk about pitching Hunter because that yeah. was probably the biggest need going into the offseason. Now, through letting a couple of players go, we've almost forgot about starting pitching, but that problem still persists. That remains, right? Their starting rotation right now as I have it projected, and obviously this could change, I think they have seven options. Brandon Woodruff is obviously in there. Adrian Hauser's in there. And then you could go Eric Lauer and Jake Ferrier, guys they've received in trades over the last couple of months. Brent Suter, Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns. Man, that I think there are a lot of question marks in that starting rotation. And there's really, outside of Brandon Woodruff, there's nobody I feel great about. I like Adrian Hauser. I want to see him do it again for another season. What do they do at starting pitching, Hunter? Please, please make me feel better about this situation. I don't know if I can make you feel better. Okay, I think fair. that, that uh, unfortunately, but I think, I think in order for this team to make it to the postseason and make it far into the postseason, they have to sign one of these free agent starting pitchers. You, you just can't go into, with those seven guys you just mentioned, you can't go into next year with those seven and pick five. We saw how that went. How that went last year. Yeah. You have, you know, you said, you know, Hauser, you know, has a chance to be the chance to be decent. Woodruff is really, yeah, the only guy who we trust significantly. Um, you know, right? Like you said, Peralta's in there. You got Faria. Um, I want. The other guy I want Suter in the bullpen. Blanking. I want Suter in bullpen? the bullpen. Suter, I think, fits better in the bullpen. Yeah. Peralta might fit better in the bullpen too. I, I don't know. Right. No, I completely agree. I think. I think Suter. Um, is better in the ball. And yeah, like Peralta could be another guy. I think they need to go out and get one of these guys, not necessarily a Garrett Cole or a Steven Strasburg, because I think those guys are going to go to the big cities. But what I think they should do is get one of these middle, middle guys, like a Dallas Keuchel, who wasn't a middle guy last year, and I, maybe the Braves overpaid for him, I don't know. Um, I saw like a projected today, maybe a three-year, $42 million kind of deal. Um, you know, in, in a way, and then that could work, okay? And then I think they could afford that. So a guy like him, a guy like Ryu, um, obviously Zach Wheeler's now off the market, even though I feel like Wheeler's like overrated. I, I, I don't know. I feel like there's so much hype for him. I'm not sure. Um, but Baumgartner's out there as well. So, like, you know, one of those guys to really solidify that rotation um, and solidify at least a couple spots. So then you have Woodruff, you have him, and then you can maybe bet on a couple others. Um, like Lauer, I think Lauer could actually could do, you know, significant, significant help. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think they should go out and get one of these starters. Wade Miley's also out there. You could oh, make yeah. a trade. I mean, I saw a trade scenario where they're moving Josh Hader and prospects to Boston for Mookie Betts. Like I've seen a lot of different situations. Madison Baumgartner's out there. I think my problem with the Brewers right now is you went into the off season with, with a, pretty clear picture of what needed to be done and by letting all these free agents go and making these trades you you've really you've really just opened up the floodgates you need everything and you need anything 
And I'm I am truly concerned about the Brewers Hunter. I don't think they're a 500 ball club right now. So if you were David Stearns, I guess over the next couple of months, what players on this roster do you expect to be producing next year? Because I'm looking at the the current. Let's talk about batting lineup. We just did starting rotation real quickly. Kane, Yelich, Braun, and then you have Hira, Gamble, Pena, or now, um, geez, I keep forgetting his name, Navias, <laughs> and Yuri, no, right, and yeah. Orlando Arcia in the pitcher spot. I, do you feel great about anything past the three or four hole there? Because I really don't. I'm going to be honest. No, I mean, not really, right? Um, yeah, so like you said, Kane, Yelich, Braun, Hira, um, and, you know, Braun is getting older too. I yeah. don't think we can, you know, completely count on him necessarily now. Um, and I think Urias will be, you know, he was, he didn't hit the greatest last year, but I think he's just, you know, starting his major league career. So I think he'll hopefully be on the rise and I think he might be, you know, a, a, a mainstay here. Um, but yeah, you, you, you have to get some of those guys to at least secure five, six here. Um, and like last year, be kind of six deep. Thames had a nice year last year. I think if Thames is on the market for a while, it's possible he comes back. Yes. Um, and I wouldn't be totally opposed. If you had asked me last year, earlier in the year, or maybe late the year before, I would have been like, yeah, Thames isn't really producing. He had a lot of those home runs, and then he just kind of tailed off. But then he had a decent year last year, and I think that could be a guy where they bring back, and I wouldn't be totally opposed. Um, but, yeah, they like like you said, they need, they need bats. Like we talked about earlier, they need solid guys that are going to produce every day. Um, and if I'm David Stearns looking at these next couple months, you got to go out and get either a third baseman or a shortstop, depending on where you want to play Urias. I mean, Arcia is going to, if he's going to play, he's going to play it short, but yeah. I think Urias is probably more comfortable there. So I don't know if Arcia is really going to have a super spot. They got him on a cheap deal um, instead of going to arbitration a couple of days ago. Um, but then, of course, first base. First base is, is a position of need, and I think you need to go out and get somebody. If that's Thames, we'll see. But. Yeah, that, if I'm Stearns, you got to get a couple more guys on that infield to solidify it. I, I'm just worried. I, I look at that starting lineup, right, that that one through nine, and past the three yeah. or four spot, there's not a lot of hitters. There's not a lot of options that are going to make the opposing pitcher work. And that's really what it comes down to, right? You mm-hmm. want hitters that are going to make that opposition work. You don't want to feel like like your batting lineup past the three-hole doesn't have a chance, and now you're just waiting for it to come back around. So, Hunter, we're going to continue to talk about the Brewers. I know you got stuff going on tonight. Thanks for a couple of minutes joining us on the Five Star Telecom Talking Text Line, and I hope this offseason gets a little bit better for the Brewers before <laughs> before too long. Thanks, Hunter. Yeah, no problem. I hope so, too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, have an awesome night, Hunter. That's Hunter Baumgart. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at HBOM195. He is always doing excellent work here on WKTY. Uh, and like I said, just bowing to the every wish of Dave and Scrady, our, our true professionals, our heroes, our role models. Uh, they say jump, we say how high, even if it means getting up at 5.15 in the morning. When we come back, uh, we're going to tap uh, one of my uh, coworkers here at WKTY and a reporter at, at News 8, uh, the CBS affiliate in town. He is an insider for UWL football, a very connected man. That's Nate Myhawk. We're going to get his take on what's going on with Evan Lewandowski, the transfer situation, and maybe what he is hearing from coaches and players uh, and people close to the situation. We'll talk about him, wrap up the Wisco Sports Show, coming up next here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. We've talked Brewers. We've talked Bucks today. Catch yourself up with the podcast uh, and hear what you've missed. WKTYsports.com and on our mobile app as well. Podcasts will go up 
at about 6.05, a couple minutes after we wrap up. Now, we've been talking Bucks, Brewers, Packers. We have yet to get to maybe the biggest news on our station, and that is the upcoming transfer uh, of Evan Lewandowski, the quarterback of the UW Lacrosse Eagles, who just finished a really, really, really good season. And Lewandowski was tremendous. Uh, setting some really high numbers. And I thought, we're going to bring in an expert. We're going to bring a very connected man. That's Nate Myhock. He's at News 8. He's at WKTY. He's at RAQ Radio. He's done a couple games this year, or did a couple games for UWL this year uh, for RAQ. And he just knows, well, just about everybody in and around that program. Nate Myhock. Dude, what's up today? I'm I'm good. How are you? Uh, by the way, I appreciate you bringing me back on with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That yeah. was a good touch. See, I, you know, Justin Garcia, one of our other guests, mentioned that a couple weeks ago because I played some some Grateful Dead. I'd like to think that I, I'm glad to hear that you noticed that 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 doesn't go <laughs> that doesn't go uh, all for nothing. So, Nate, look, you saw more UWL football than I did this year. If I was working a game, I was here in the studio listening to Drew and Scrady. So I didn't get to see a whole lot of games. I was at a couple this year. Evan Lewandowski had a, well, UWL had a really good season. What are some of the things that makes him a good quarterback? Well, you know, just from watching him, and I'm not no, I'm no scout, I'm no coach, but you watch him and you see just his pure arm talent is next level when it comes to Division Three. And I know UWL fans were kind of spoiled in the last few years with, with Tarek Yagi, who was literally a D1 quarterback before he transferred into lacrosse. He was lighting it up. He had all the talent in the world. And then now you're seeing Lewandowski come in. He makes some throws that I don't think um, any other Division three quarterback can make, maybe in the country, certainly not in the WIAC, at least not this past season. I mean, the dude just has a great arm. The accuracy is there. The, 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 the arm strength is there. And he's just a good uh, athlete as well. I mean, he can use his legs a lot better than most other quarterbacks can. So he's so dynamic. And I think that's kind of what stands out to me is just the dude that sort of elevates his game when he's on the field, especially when he's playing against players who, quite frankly, might not be as talented as he is. And I think that's kind of what sets him apart. Sure. Well, in, in talking, if he's the most athletic, most gifted quarterback in the WIAC at the Division Three level, Nate, he must be the most talented quarterback in the country because, as you know, the WIAC is the best uh, Division Three athletic conference in the country. Isn't that the case? That is absolutely the case, okay, okay. in my opinion. Okay, good. That's what everybody says. That's what I say. I'm, <laughs> I'm a big fan of that take. Uh, as you know, so he's looking to transfer. Okay, well, 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 let's start with this, Nate. We do have a couple of minutes. If Evan Lewandowski does have that good of an arm and he has the natural talent and the arm strength, why is he Division Three and not and not Division Two or One? Maybe what are some of the drawbacks that maybe a couple of years ago he had that if he's looking to transfer now, maybe he is he is solved or he is working on. Well, I think the one thing that really stood out to me as a big negative on on Lewandowski's sort of resume this season is. Just some of the interceptions he threw, a lot of them you can look back and say, yeah, that was a bad read, that wasn't wasn't a ball he should have thrown. Made some very questionable decisions. Obviously, at, at times when, you got, when you've got talent to do it and you've got a guy like Cole Speaker, who, of course, we know is a stud in and of itself, yeah. when, you, when you make some of those bad mistakes, sometimes you can kind of get away with it, but other times you're going to get punished, especially at the college level as compared to the high school level, and I think that's kind of maybe what was holding Lewandowski back coming out of high school, and also now in uh, this past season. So I think despite all the talent, that's the one big negative, the red flag that's sort of uh, stood out to me watching him this season. But despite that, I mean, your first team, all-conference, in your first year starting college football, that's impressive regardless. So I think talent-wise, there it, it's got to be sort of like making the reads kind of cutting out those mental mistakes that I think will be big and sort of uh, allowing him to kind of take that next step. 
Yeah, well, that's what he's looking to do. Nate Myhock joining us just for a couple of minutes as we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show here. What have you heard? Because I know you are close to a couple coaches. You're close, close to a couple players as well. What are the rumors on maybe where he's aiming to go? Because I, I'm just reading his tweet here, and I'm not a college football expert when the with the politics of college football. He says he's answering entering the transfer portal. There's no transfer portal for Division Three, is there? So I guess that in an, that just by itself would lead me to think that he's obviously going Division Two or Division One. What have you heard? Yeah, well, for starters, like you said, there is no transfer transfer portal for Division uh, Three. And he uh, he actually was getting some low Division One interest when he was coming out of high school, and I'm sure a lot of that was just due to his raw talent. Yeah. So some of the rumors, and again, these are all just rumors. There's nothing really uh, that's been coming out that's too uh, significant, and I think he's kind of keeping this, playing this close to his chest right now. Some of the rumors that I'm hearing is that he wants to step up to Division Two, and some some rumors are that he will go play in the NSIC. So, you know, the, the conference that Winona State is in, um, rumors about that. There's also some bringing up about Eastern Illinois, who produced Tony Romo, Jimmy Garoppolo. They're an FCS team. He's got some teammates from high school that are on that same team. Also would probably be a more, uh, you know, kind of be close to home. I'm sure that's kind of yeah. appealing to him as a player. So those are just kind of the rumors that are flying at the moment. Nothing concrete. I don't think he's really been saying a whole lot. I know a lot of coaches, a lot of players are kind of unsure at this point in time as well, but I, I think what you were kind of saying too, if you're going to enter the transfer portal, you'd have to think maybe he's stepping up to Division Two or Division One, AA, or I guess the FCS as they call it now. It doesn't seem like he's going to be wanting to stay at the Division Three level, and I, I don't blame him. I mean, he's got the talent to definitely play at that next level, I think. Yeah, it'll be an interesting story to follow, that's for sure. And I know Scrady, our morning show host as well, who lives and breathes and dies for UWL football, is is all over the case as well. So you're going to get a good dose of that uh, every morning from 6 to 9 as this story unfolds as well. Nate, thank you for joining us, sir. Have a wonderful night. Uh, and we might just have to get you back on if some crazy rumor comes up because you were the guy with the uh, with the no and the friends in the no. Thanks again, man. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Grant. That's Nate Myhock joining us just for a couple of moments on the 5 Star Telecom Talking Text Line. You can follow him on Twitter at Nate. Myhawk, M-E-I-H-A-K. Tomorrow, we have a lot to get to tomorrow. The Badger Roundtable Show, the Big Ten Championship game coming up on Saturday. And the Badgers are our underdogs. I talked to Zach Heilprin of, of the Wisconsin Sports Zone, our sister station in Madison on Tuesday. And look, Zach is the biggest Badger believer and has called me out many times for just showing faint interest in Marquette and what they're doing in basketball. It's going to be a tough game. And even the closest people to the Badgers and the biggest Badger supporters and homers are going to agree the chances are probably small. But if the Badgers pull it off, man, how cool would that be? Badger Roundtable Show, they'll break it down tomorrow. Zach Heilprin and the boys from the zone in Madison will get you ready. Tonight, Aquinas Girls Basketball here on WKTY with Drew Kelly as they look to continue their dominance and Lexi Donarski starts yet another season. Tomorrow night, we will have basketball on as well. Check our local schedule at WKTYsports.com. Is now basketball really getting into the swing of things. So keep yourself up to date and keep yourself in the know. WKTYsports.com and on our mobile app as well. Have an awesome rest of your weekend. Enjoy the Bears, the Vikings, the Packers. Back on Monday to talk about it all.